the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, everyone. I'm George Roscoe. And I'm Mark Schneider. And we want to welcome you to today's episode 69 of Say What, where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including the deception of what is called gender-affirming care. That's right, George. You know, a common refrain uh, by its proponents is that without such intervention, young people trapped in the wrong body will commit suicide. But is that really true? What does the data show? That's the question, George, that we're going to try and answer in this episode. And to start, we need to define what gender-affirming care actually means. And it sounds so positive. It sounds so good. You want to do that, right? It's affirming. Who doesn't want to be affirmed? And this term, uh, gender-affirming care, or GAC, has become a term of art in the entire medical community. Gender-affirming care, as defined by the World Health Organization, quote, encompasses a range of social, psychological, behavioral, and medical interventions designed to support and affirm an individual's gender identity when it conflicts with the gender they were assigned at birth. Let's pause right there. George, there's a presupposition in this definition. The gender is a sign. Or that you were born in the wrong body. Yeah. It's not something that you're born with, that's God-given, that's built in your chromosomes. No, someone needs to make an assignment of your gender, according to this definition. But, but I also find it very interesting, Mark, that this reasoning and logic is only applied to our, our sexual genitalia. We don't apply that to, well, I was born with the wrong hands. I want longer hands. I was born with, you know, the, the wrong legs. Or the wrong race. Or the wrong race. Or the wrong or, intellect. Yeah. We, we don't do that to anything else. Why is it that we only do this to our sexual genitalia? Uh, I wonder why, George. Well, they go on to say the uh, GAC interventions help transgender people align various aspects of their lives, emotional, interpersonal, and biological, with their gender identity. As noted by the American Psychiatric Association, that identity can run anywhere along a continuum that includes man, woman, a combination of those, neither of those, and fluid. Now, this brings up uh, a topic that you discussed in great detail not too long ago, George, and that's called gender queer. Gender queer, right? Gender really is meaningless. Yep. You're whatever you define yourself to be. So then if gender is meaningless, going back to the gender queer, then what is gender affirming? Why are we even talking about this? <laughs> but unfortunately, there's some other now very popular terms that I'm sure our listeners have heard of. One of those is called gender dysphoria, which the APA defines as, quote, psychological distress stemming from the incongruence between gender assignment, there's that word again, and identity. Although many transgender 
people feel this distress without being diagnosed by a doctor, gender dysphoria is a defined clinical condition in the APA's Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mentor mental disorders, otherwise known as the DSM, which is constantly changing, George. Finally, this another term, TGNC. You, you see this show up a, a lot in the medical community, stands for transgender non-conforming. But this begs the question, where did gender-affirming care actually begin? Well, actually, when you look into this, it goes back to the 1990s in the Netherlands when doctors began using puberty blockers, primarily Lupron, to delay the onset of puberty in kids that were confused about their gender. Gender-affirming care did not exist in the U.S. prior to 2007 and was extremely rare even before 2010. But since 2015, it's been widely available. And, and what happened that year in 2015, Mark? Mm. Uh, to me, what, what, what I remember about this year is that this is the year that the APA changed their definition of gender dysphoria and basically removed it out of the mental illness category. There's something else that happened that year too, George. A famous case, Obergefell versus Hodges, where the Supreme Court made same-sex marriage the law of the land under the Constitution. So that was a very important year. Well, why is gender-affirming care performed? To try and bring what are called, quote, secondary sex characteristic, meaning body and facial hair, breast tissue, muscular build, and fat composition into better alignment with the person's gender identity. Now note, the World Professional Association of Transgender Health, an institution called WAPATH, acknowledges that these interventions can have significant complications like bodily mutilation and sterility, but still claim that the benefits of having gender-affirming care outweigh the risks, which include prolonged gender dysphoria, stigmatization, uh, psychiatric distress. Well, who supports gender-affirming care? Um, Well, as we've alluded to, George, virtually the entire medical society across the Western world. Um, the politicized American Association of Medical Colleges, the American Medical Association, the American Psychiatric Association, but also, George, many special interest groups, the media, the academy, meaning higher education, and now the Biden administration. In fact, I remember Jen Psaki say that gender-affirming care is a medically necessary life-saving health care for kids. Say what? Yeah. And sadly, a growing number of state legislatures are also supporting gender-affirming care. What about the states that oppose it? Well, according to the Williams Institute um, at UCLA, as of March of this year, only 15 out of 50 states have restricted access to gender-affirming care at any age or are currently considering legislation that would do so. Examples are Texas, Alabama, and Florida. In fact, Alabama recently passed um, SB 184, which would make it a felony, actually, to provide gender-affirming medical care to transgender minors. Now, places like where we live in California think, well, that's crazy. Um, and California, is, in fact, goes 
at the opposite end of the pe- of the pendulum we have assembly bill 1184 which was passed in 2021 which defines a protected individual as a minor who can have access to certain health care what are called sensitive services without the consent of a parent or legal garden. Say what? And of course, those sensitive services are defined to mean gender-affirming care. Or or anything else that's reproductive health care. That's right. And so depending on what state you look at uh, in America, it's, it's all over the map. Well, why do they support it? You know, why all of a sudden, particularly since 2015, has our entire culture gone on the bandwagon in supporting gender-affirming care? Well, there are several reasons, depending on the demographic, but certainly the probably the biggest one is worldview-related. Um, fluid gender identity supports the woke worldview, and wokeism is largely a spiritual rebellion against God and the created order, George. Amen. You shall be as God's making your own moral rules and defining your own identity in defiance of any natural law or your own biology. So it's, there's definitely a very strong worldview component of this. But for children in particular, gender identity has become sort of a social contagion. We're not the first ones to point that out. Abigail Schreier in her book, Irreversible Damage, makes this point strongly. There's a cool factor to identifying with a non-biological gender. In fact, George, as you pointed out in a prior episode, between Gen X and the millennials, the number of self-identified trans people has increased by 500%. Between Gen X and their children's generation, Gen Z, the number of self-identified trans people has increased by 800%. That's astonishing. Yeah. We're talking about a social neurosis here. Mm-hmm. Frankly, it's boring now among our kids' generation to be heteronormative. It's gender cool to be trans, or so says the special interest group by the same name. And there's another factor here is it gives one victim identity status. So if you're an adolescent and you're being bullied or you're having a difficult time adjusting with your peer group in school, There's a certain attractiveness by having a victim identity status attached to you. And identifying with the trans community certainly does that. And Mark, just like you've mentioned time and time again, you quote uh, the book After the Ball, uh, where the, the two authors there wrote that in the 90s about how gay rights would be advanced through America. And it really has nothing to do with, with science. Everything was psychological, marketing, manipulative tactics, right? Yeah. Um, I, I see the same thing with the transgender uh, agenda. They're being very manipulative. They understand our children's psychological predispositions and, and how just children relate to each other, and they're using that to their advantage. They are, George. In fact, the authors of that book, they even said that, you know, it doesn't matter if what we're saying is true or false. Uh, Our goal is to make them like us, and Mm -hmm. we're going to do that through propaganda and advertising campaigns. They're very transparent about it. Well, the unscrupulous and activists that um, support gender-affirming care, they obviously rely, you know, not on their own worldview completely. They always tout certain studies, you know, to support 
what they're advocating. And they always come back to a dozen very small and arguably very politicized studies to, to make their case. Well, the Heritage Foundation has recently looked into this matter to see if gender-affirming care really does help the, the mental um, state of adolescence. In fact, this study was led by Dr. Jay Green, a Harvard-trained PhD, and he points out that um, precise data <clears throat> over the intervention of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones is not actually available. But proxy or stand-in data is. In fact, a common research tool to get this kind of proxy data is by using the Google Trends product. Uh, Google Trends provides the frequency of search terms going back to 2004. And for example, a score of 100 indicates a peak frequency for that given term. So if you search something and you go into Google Trends and it gives you that score 100, tons of people are searching this term. And before 2007, Google Trends reports a zero for the term, the search term, puberty blockers. So by taking the average of Google Trends scores for search terms like puberty blockers, transgender, transgender identity disorder, and gender dysphoria, it gives a reasonable proxy for how common chemical sex interventions have been used over the time period studied. And Heritage found these four terms were searched very infrequently until about this magic year, mm-hmm. 2015, yep. when there was suddenly a dramatic spike that's continued ever since. Um, now, the reliable data is also scant, Heritage found, uh, about where these gender-affirming care interventions are happening in adolescence. But again, a reasonable proxy for this data is to look at the states which provide minors access to care without a parent's consent. And there's an organization that provides this data. It's called Schoolhouse Connection. They, they track these laws, and this is what they found. There are 17 states that have laws that prevent minors from getting medical treatment without a parent's authority. But 34 states, George, have laws that allow for minors to get medical treatment without a parent's authority. I mean, this was shocking to me. Already in America, 34 states. Heritage also found that the prior studies on the effects of intervention using puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones are all flawed in one way or another. For example, no large-scale randomized control trials have ever been done on this topic, what are called RCTs, which is the gold standard that the FDA uses, uh, by the way, before they approve uh, new medications or existing medications for alternative uses, um, like GAC hormones, uh, puberty blockers and cross-sex uh, uh, medications. These hormones were originally meant for other purposes. For example, to supplement the production of hormones for people in need of them or in the converse to slow down the overproduction of these hormones. Um, The drugs used for gender transformation are really new in history and completely untested by by the FDA. And and, uh, one other big thing as part of this, Mark, it's not just the fact that there is no large-scale randomized control test. But there's also not a long-term longitudinal test to see over time. That's right. Over a long time period. Um, 
the, and the, another main defect of these studies is, is that they rely on what are called correlational research, not causal relationships between the use of these drugs and positive health outcomes. The positive outcomes that some people reported after receiving gender-affirming care may in fact be attributable to many other factors, which the studies don't control for like parent-child relationships, other family relationships, the prior psychological health of the person that was treated. And George, there's this old Latin expression that applies here, post hoc ergo propter hoc. Correlation does not mean causation. In fact, the well-known jingle may be correlated with the proximity of the ice cream truck. But the jingle is not what caused the ice cream truck to actually show up. Just as we know, if taking puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones is what caused the well-being of the people cited in studies advanced by proponents of gender-affirming care. Perhaps the most cited is uh, among these studies is the Turban study published in PLUS One just this year in 2002 that examined the results of around 25,000 American adults who identify as transgender. The study concluded that adolescents that receive these hormones have a lower risk of of uh, suicide. But there are some flaws with the study. It didn't account for parent-child or other family relationships. And again, it didn't account for the child's mental or psychological state before taking or being denied the drug's interventions. In fact, the turban uh, study itself showed that 16 and 17-year-olds who received hormones were more than twice as likely to report a past-year suicide attempt requiring inpatient hospitalization. Say what? So what Heritage uh, took a look at was a, a better research approach. Um, and uh, uh, the, the bottom line, they said, is that the most influential recent research on the relationship between adolescent cross-sex interventions and later mental health outcomes, including suicide risk, does not provide convincing evidence. Only a small number of studies make comparisons to a control group, and those studies employ correlational research designs that don't allow causal conclusions, nor have those correlational studies been conducted properly. So what did Heritage do? Well, it compared the suicide rates over time among those aged between 12 and 23 in states that allow minors access to health care without their parents' consent, relative to states that don't allow it. So the state consent laws were obtained from Schoolhouse Connection, and the suicide rates were obtained from the uh, CDC. If making it easier for minors to access drug intervention is protective against suicide, Heritage suggests, then the frequency of youth suicide should be lower in states that allow such access without parental permission. But that's not what they found. Interesting. Before 2010, the adolescent suicide rates in states that provided minor health access without their parents' permission did not differ from the states that did require it. But after 2010, George, when such drugs interventions became widely available, the suicide rates began to spike. In fact, they went up 14% in the states that did not require parental permission meaning it was much more readily available. Wow. This is atrocious. It's incredible. So, you know, what conclusions 
can we draw from all this? Number one, previous studies finding gender-affirming care interventions prevent suicide fail to show a causal link relationship and have been poorly executed. Number two, better research shows that easing access to puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones by minors without parental consent increases suicide rates. And finally, research demonstrates that gender confusion generally resolves itself without any medical intervention. In fact, other studies, George, have shown that in over 80% of the time, if kids are just left alone to figure this out themselves, they will refer back to their biological gender. Well, what is very unfortunate here is that because of gender-affirming care policies, people are dying. They are indeed. And we've seen that in Western Europe and the Nordic countries as well. Sweden, one of the most gender-affirming societies, <laughs> they still have 19 times the suicide rates for people who go down the gender nonconforming route. That's an important statistic and one that we've reported on before. Sweden is one of the most gender-affirming cultures on the planet. They have had long-term studies, and yet the suicide rate, and these are people that are years um, past Mm -hmm. when they first had their gender-affirming care, suicide rate 19 times greater. Well, that's uh, a wrap for today. We want to continue encouraging our listeners to please share this podcast. Uh, We're on iTunes and we are on Spotify. Uh, Also on our website, there's a podcast uh, uh, item on the menu. Uh, Please uh, go to our website, www.protectourkidsnow.org. Uh, We have a videos and conferences tab where we have a bunch of new videos there. One is called The Triple Threat. It's available on multiple languages and more languages coming out here every month. Uh, We also have actually a new video on social-emotional learning, and a lot of that actually plays into this gender-affirming care philosophy uh, that's being pushed down the uh, SEL route. Um, We also have something, Mark, that you spent quite a bit of time putting together, a how to start a private school or alternative school on your church campus. Do you want to tell us more about that, Mark? Well, you know, often in our conferences, George, people ask, what can we do? Uh, Well, there's one thing definitely the church community can do. Often during the week, they have the unused space. And so we've been looking uh, at this over the course of this last year, and uh, we wrote a publication going into great detail about how a church can actually start a private school. So this publication is intended for pastors, elders, leadership teams at a church. Please uh, pick it up, download it from our website. There is a little tab called For Pastors uh, where you can uh, pick that up. But thank you very much for listening, and we will uh, talk to you next time on Say What. See you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.